Okay, welcome in everyone to another episode of the NML Pickleball Podcast. I'm Chris Ross, and we've got Jeremy Comazetta, who is not to my right as he usually is because he's sick, and so we're remote. Uh, and we've got a special guest. We're doing video for the first time because of this special guest. Uh, we've got pro pickleball player, recent MLP signed player, uh, Zane Navratil. How's it going, Zane? What's up, guys? How are you? No, we're good. Thanks for joining the podcast. Honored to be on the very first video pod. Um, Chris, I still don't even see you on on video, but that's all right. <laughs> Look at Jeremy. This is great. <laughs> do you not see me on video? No. Uh, do, you, do you see him, Jeremy? I see both of you, yeah. So, oh, but. so weird. I just see CH and that little uh, circle. Oh, well. Oh. Right. Oh, now you disappeared, Chris. Oh, and you're back. back. He's back. Okay. Can you, see? can you see me? I can see you now. Okay, well then let's get going. This is a great start to our first video and our first guest ever. So Zane, we wanted to we wanted to have you. We haven't done a podcast. I was uh, gallivanting across the globe and I was out of town. And of course, I, I woke up in the middle of the night. Jer, I see a text from Jer saying, shit's blowing up you and then of course you're away so so i was away and uh but we we Jer was doing a lot of the coverage a lot of the digging for us and we saw that you had a deleted episode of your pickle pot or, or an unreleased episode and so i messaged Jer saying should we should we ask zane to come on our podcast so we messaged you and here you are yeah yeah well thomas and i recorded uh let's see I think that was probably beginning of last week, which would have been maybe like end of end of August. And it was a more probably a more sensitive time than than it is now. Uh, a lot of things were just sort of coming to light publicly. You know, a lot of people under NDA. I said some things that uh, I don't regret whatsoever, but Thomas didn't want to have. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, things have, I wouldn't say died down, like, but it's definitely not as much of a, of a frenzy as it was at that point. Yeah. And for, I mean, people who are listening to this podcast probably are aware of what's going on, but we've got the tour wars. We got MLP and PPA and a, you know, week and a half ago or whatever it was, there were a bunch of MLP started off by announcing they had some signings of, of players to deals and that started the frenzy that you're referring to where a whole bunch of people got signed. There was announcements of signings where lots of rumors of big numbers being thrown around. So we wanted to talk to you about just the whole tour wars thing and, and get your perspective on it and, and get some of your thoughts that uh, I think you've been more public than uh, normal and, and not quite as diplomatic as I think you've been in the past. But I, I think we wanted to start with just some of the background about the about the tour war, so people have an idea of where this leads up from. Because a lot of people are probably new to pickleball, might not have even started watching in 2021 or 2020 when the tours started. So I wanted to get your perspective to start off on just about you know leading up to to what started all of this. You know, I think back in 2021, the PPA restricted uh, its signed players to six non-PPA events. And where were you in all that, and and how were you feeling at the time with with uh, the PPA, APP, and MLP wasn't even around at the start of 2021. 
Yeah. So maybe, maybe for some context, uh, I would say if you are somebody who's followed pro pickleball and you've only started in, within the last couple, if, unless you've been following pro pickleball since probably late 2019 into early 2020, I would say you don't have a full picture and context of exactly what's, uh, what's going on. When did, when did you guys, I mean, I know you guys have, have done your research into things that have occurred in the past, but like, just for my knowledge, when did NML come out and when did you guys start following along with tour stuff? NML came out at US Open 2021, but we probably really started following kind of pickleball sometime like in 2019, like look, you know, watching YouTube and stuff. And then 20 by 2020, we were probably pretty much full in, would you say, Chris? Yeah, I think we were pretty much all in at that point. I'd say like really like Nationals 2018s when we started watching more. And then we, at a certain point, we were just watching every tournament or following along whatever we could, whatever was happening back then. Gotcha, gotcha. Just so you know, I got to keep my uh, my dog entertained here. I'm, I'm <laughs> he decided he needed to be, to be needy. And that's part of the uh, doing the podcast. At, oh, mm doing the podcast at home so uh i had to had to keep him entertained a little bit but um interesting so yeah i uh the tour the ppa came all right you're gonna be cool you're gonna be chill all right ppa came out let's see that was probably early 2020 they ran their first events um everything was pretty like fine other than the global pandemic during 2020 in terms of of the tours like you could play whatever you wanted. I played some PPA. I played some some APP. And then towards the end of 2020 into early 2021, the PPA, and I, I like to try and give credit where credit is due. They were the first people, that, to my knowledge, to start offering appearance fees. Um, they started offering appearance fees to, to top-level pro players. Um, there was a catch, and that catch was you could only play six non-PPA events during the course of the upcoming years. So that's kind of what the 2021 contracts looked like to, to my knowledge. I, I talked with the PPA, I talked with, with APP and, you know, just decided at that point, I felt like I was a, a player on the rise and I didn't want to lock into anything exclusive. Um, and uh, yeah, I didn't want to limit what I could do um, early, I would say, into my pickleball career. And so then, so in 2021, by the end, I think, well, what happens in 2022 at the very start, because I remember when this happened for us is that we got, you know, the Tom Dundon buys the PPA and all hell breaks loose at that point. So we, we start getting word of exclusive contracts and no MLP. Uh, MLP started their their first event was late 2021, I believe. And yeah. so at that point, there's a bunch of people scrambling. There's pressure to sign deals. There's timelines. There's deadlines. Where, where are you in all of that? And what are you thinking at that time? Um, I mean, I I saw a deal from from both sides. I. Again, I really didn't like the exclusivity, especially going from 
being allowed to play six tournaments to no tournaments. And in 2021, I loved MLP. Like my favorite part about playing tennis over my entire career was the, my entire shitty career was playing <laughs> college tennis and playing with, with teammates. Like for me, it's just so much more fun to, to have a, another group of people and, and a team that you're part of. Um, I love that. And so I really didn't want to, to play, I'm sorry, to sign something exclusive. And that's that sort of signing period was where I started to really get rubbed the wrong way because that was probably the most, well, it was a very, very intense period of time. And there was so much like misinformation, outright lies going on during that period, very high pressure, like we need to know within the hour whether you're signing our deal or not. Um, Can and, you give other examples of of misinformation or just outright lies that were happening in that time? Yeah, and uh, well, I'll let you guys name the name, but uh, I was, people, I was hearing rumors that A, I was represented by this person that was okay. an agent for several players which I absolutely was not. Um, Is this agent initial CP? You know, who's to say? But um, yeah, so I, I had heard, like there were just so many rumors, meaning like there were rumors. I remember this this group of four of us that just got together and it, I think it was like me, Adam Stone, Deckel, Corinne Carr. We were like, I heard you signed. And they're like, I heard you signed. I heard you signed. I heard you signed. Did any of us sign? None of us signed. It's, it said he represented you. Oh, I said his name. But yeah, it was him. Oh, then. <laughs> uh, but like, it, it was just outright lies about who signed. And it made it feel like, oh, everyone is signing this deal. And you're going to get left out if you don't. You got to sign within the hour. Um, and... Yeah, that was that was pretty garbage. I remember being on a bunch of calls that like the players were just sort of trying to sort their own stuff out, right? Like it's supposed to be a player call. We're talking. My whole thing was like, whatever you're gonna do, whether you're gonna sign uh APP, MLP, PPA, whatever, just don't give in to the this needs to be signed within an hour. Like take your time go back and forth you can even get competing bids from both entities and on these calls were players and one agent and one agent that very soon after all this happened took a job as deputy commissioner of the PPA so that's a another that was probably the, one of the things that had pissed me off the most out of this entire thing and, and you've never talked about this pissing you off in the past, I don't think. At least I can recall, you know, you've, I think it's, you know, smart of you to have stayed pretty neutral. At least, you know, you, you went APP, it looked team APP, but you weren't really uh, laying into anything because I think you wanted to keep your options open. But as that year, so you, you end up APP and you mentioned a number of people like Deckel, Corinne, Adam, all stayed APP. And so you still played MLP in 2022. 
But a lot of people got – they got decent money. The PPA was giving out real money to players and, you know, something guaranteed money was something that was, you know, hard to come by in pro pickleball. So, you know, I think at the same time it's hard to say that you can blame the players for snapping up those offers when there's real money coming their way. Yeah, no, and I, and I don't, right? Like I said earlier, I think the PPA kind of led – at least for a year or so in terms of, of appearance fees. Um, and yeah, guaranteed money. Now I did have, I at that point had reason to be skeptical of the money because I had very, very difficult time getting paid for everything that I did there. There was not great transparency on what actual prize money would be. There was certainly not timely payments. So that, that factored into my decision as well and and I think you see the repercussions of this coming down all the way into 2023 I think there are a certain group of players that have never had problems getting getting paid right and so when some exorbitant amount of money is written down on a piece of paper they have no reason not to 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 believe it right whereas I have no reason to believe that that number just based on my experience I think can you provide any examples, Zane, of when there's been delayed payments or lack of transparency? The only reason I ask is I know you're not the only player that's put that out there, but I know Tyler Lung and Jimmy who've been uh, helping put out some of the PBAs uh, kind of, I don't know what you want to call it, but they said that they had somebody high up in the PPA tell them that everybody has, every player has other, always been paid and paid on time and they have receipts well, for that. So I, I don't think, I just, before Zane answers, I don't think they, the, they said that the they've always paid on time. They had a spreadsheet of when people got paid. So they said players always got paid. So Sorry, you can add, sorry to interrupt, Jer, but I think that's just a small I, I, correction. Yeah, I would say payers always, I always got paid um, until this year. Um, and I'll come back to that point. Um, I was always paid, but I really have no way of knowing whether I was paid the correct amount. Meaning like, especially at the beginning of 2021, there was a period of time, which you guys noted, that uh, prize money was advertised, but it was more accurately payouts, meaning prize money would be open to anybody who participates in the, the tournament. A payout means that's how many dollars are going out to players, which is a, a minute distinction, which I learned the hard way, because if you're calling something a $100,000 payout, but... 60,000 is guaranteed in appearance fees. It's not a $100,000 prize money tournament. It's a $40,000 prize money tournament, right? And so at the beginning of that year, I was doing well, right? Like I got to a couple of finals beginning of, of 2021 and I made $700 the first time and $750 the second time. And it took me months to get that money. Now, I don't know whether that's correct because I can't go back and audit exactly I don't know exactly what everybody's appearance fee is. So there's no way for me in 2021 to actually know whether I was paid correctly or not. And the, just to clarify, so the PPA wasn't putting out like an advanced tournament, like prize payouts for the different, like for say men's doubles, we're gonna pay this for first, this for second, this for third. 
Um, at that point, not to my knowledge, no. Yeah, it's hard to remember that far back even. It's only a couple of years. That, I mean, they, they kind of do a better job about that now, at least in terms of the prize money. But they do. It's, it's much more transparent and, and clear now. And I don't think that the, the, the tournament payouts currently are an issue, meaning like occasionally they get delayed a little bit. But I would say four tournaments in 2023, payments ha have not been an issue. Um, it's payment on time and payment in accurate amounts, I think, were an issue in the, in the past. But that has not, and I'll give them credit there, has not been an issue in 2023. Right. So, and, and then you're saying, but though those past experience, and you're not, and you're saying you're not alone with those past experiences with payment, at least for, or were there times where you haven't been paid at all, or was it just a matter of being paid on time? I am currently owed a large amount of money that does not relate to tournaments. So I have not been paid. Is this like an appearance type fee then that you're not paid? I, I can't go into exact specifics of, of the contract, um, but it is it does not relate to, to tournaments. I've been paid for tournaments up through um, Tournament of Champions. So, I have Do you know if any other players haven't been paid under their contract, similar to you, for 2023? Um, I know that there are players who were complaining about it earlier. I don't know the update on whether they have or have not been been paid. Hold on, my dog. <laughs> Murray. Okay, we get a we get a Murray appearance. It's not. Uh, I don't think it'll be complaining about a Murray appearance from from Zane. Um, I think what I'm curious about, Jared, to ask Zane, okay. like what I'm, yeah, I, well, fin finish what you're talking about, Zane, first. Um, so yeah, I would say this year, uh, tournament prize money hasn't been an issue. I'm current through uh, up to tournament of champions. I'm I'm currently owed money for prize money and appearance fee for TOC and Kansas City. Um, we're still technically within their payment terms for for those, um, so we'll we'll see. I have we'll see. What what time period? Can I ask what time period of 2023 that you're owed money from still? Like besides those two tournaments? Um, beginning of the year. There's beginning of the year. It, basically, there's there's an amount that should be coming to me on a quarterly basis that has not come to me on any quarter yet. So. So if we back up this this trust stuff that we're talking about, I think the trust thing is is the biggest theme of this whole tour wars chapter here. Like the trust, how much trust people had with the PPA, with MLP, and, and where that uh, you know led led their decision. I, I think that's the biggest thing. But back backing up to last October, November, where this whole gold silver tour cards comes out and and there's more negotiating that's happened. JW and Dylan signed Vibe Pickleball League that is created for a week or whatever it was. You know, you're talking about that you didn't have a ton of trust in 2021, you know, uh, from from that period of time. So then in 2022, when you, you did sign PPA, what what goes into that decision there? 
Um, I would say it was somewhat reluctantly, like the APP more or less bowed out of, of offering um, appearance fees and whatnot when Major League Pickleball and the PPA made their merger. I didn't, I didn't really think that, A, I love MLP more than anything. If I had to rank the, the organizations in terms of the way that I like them, I would, I would go MLP, APP, PPA. So I didn't think that APP was a viable enough alternative to, to forego playing MLP in 2023 and beyond. Now I could still play MLP, but the fact that they were offering us double prize money if you sign a gold card deal kind of made that decision easier. Um, so I, uh, I guess I reluctant, I wanted to stay with MLP. I was not excited about, about PPA, but I guess at that point I, I bit my tongue publicly, but, uh, I definitely let my feelings be known, uh, internally on with the, with the MLP team. Obviously, MLP's hands were tied a bit, but how did you feel about MLP's decision to pay? Because my understanding is it's MLP that's actually paying the double prize money, but they would only do that to the PPA players. So they were basically forcing your hand to pay, play and join the PPA, but you still kind of have the trust with them, which is interesting. Yeah, so actually that's something that came to light relatively recently. I didn't realize that Major League Pickleball was was funding the doubling of the uh, their prize money. And I did, in hindsight, I thought it was weird that, that we got that money within a week. And now I understand why. <laughs> so, okay, so you're not aware of that at the time then when you're signing. Like you're saying it's recent, so then... Does did that impact you? Like, does how does that play into anything with with this round of negotiations for you? Or where's your mindset with going into this round of negotiations? Yeah. So my, I mean, I, I had I'm I'm close with certain people on in in Major League Pickleball. I you know I still talk to a bunch of my my team owners. I talk to a bunch of people that have never been team owners of of mine, but like our, our other team owners. Um, I, uh, I, I knew some backstory on the way that the partnership and merger was going and it wasn't good. Meaning like they were not acting in any way, shape or form as a merged or partnered entity. They were very, very much so throughout 2023 acting behind the scenes as cutthroat competitors. Um, I figured actually that this would happen at some point or another. Part of my decision and part of the thing that I've, that I've mentioned is I think that these two entities in the long term can't coexist. Um, I think one will eventually beat the other or or, you know, push the other into obscurity. I had, 
I, I figured that some form of war would happen at, at some point. I wasn't exactly prepared for it in Kansas City, but um, it was a pretty easy decision for me to to make because at the time, right, I'm presented with a contract from MLP. I then have a conversation with Connor the next day, and I'm presented with a term sheet from from the PPA. We've we've got to turn these decisions around quickly, right? You want to make sure that you're going to end up on the the, the winning side. In a quick decision, these contracts I really don't think, honestly mean all that much and you're gonna be like what the hell is this guy talking about but but let me let me back that up there's a lot of wording in my mlp contract that is up for interpretation there's you know there's something like we're more or less employees of mlp for 200 days now do i think mlp is for those 200 days gonna have me working 12 hour days every day no but maybe they could i don't know um, so there's so many unknowns in both of these contracts. My decision was made entirely like 100% based on who I think will pay me and who I trust and who's easier to work with. You, they, there could have been whatever wording they wanted in, in either of those contracts. And that's what my decision came down to. And I think that's what a lot of these players decisions came down to was just who's easier to work with and who do we think when these numbers have been blown up three, five, eight times as much as I've been making this year, who do I trust is actually going to pay me that? So then where, where does that, I mean, there's different people, different people have different trust levels, but where, uh, like, where was the money in all of this? Like for you and, and I mean, we've heard for other people, the money, you know, PPA was offering a lot more money at, at a certain point than MLP was, where, where did you sit in all that uh, before you signed and then and then when you signed? Was it close? I I turned down an offer for three times as much from, uh, for, from the PPA. So my annual amount would have been three times as much on paper um, had I signed with the, with the PPA. But I didn't believe that I would, I, I did a very accountanty thing. I estimated there's probably a one in eight chance that I'm paid my full contract from, from PPA, just based on past experiences, based on the fact that I thought these numbers were, were not economic, and I, I, I don't think they are. Um, I thought there's probably a one in eight chance that I would get paid my, my full amount. Um, and I thought there's you know, I think there's probably a 90% chance that I'm getting paid in full from Major League Pickleball. That 10% chance is basically that both of these entities have overspent, they're still competing, and they're going to run themselves into the ground. Um, that's the 10% chance I think I don't get paid. To um, play devil's advocate here, Zane, kind of two questions. One, when people obviously a lot of it's due to trust. Did you raise with PPA the issue of the money you think you're currently owed when they presented you with a new offer? And did they have a response? Yeah, I did. Uh, that was the first thing when a 
big number was thrown my way, I said, okay, let's start with the, you know, several thousand dollars you've owed me since the beginning of the year. And then it was like, oh, we need to look into that. We'll take care of that. I'm like, okay, well, we've uh, been trying to take care of that the last several months. Um, I wonder what changed. So yeah, I, I raised that issue. And then the second thing is you have a lot more confidence in MLP paying you out, but PPA does have a more viable probably business plan at this point in that they have Pickleball Central, they have the different online commerce businesses, Pickleball Brackets, they've, you know, they've got the amateur side, they've got revenue streams coming in where MLP is putting out now huge amounts of cash and they don't really, I know they've got some sponsors and things, but they don't really have an incoming revenue stream. Did that concern you at all that PPA might actually have a better business uh, model than MLP? And what happened if MLP kind of decides to pack its bags and head home? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a risk on 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 either side. And I would say, like, I... I don't think that the cash flow generated from from operations of of PPA is going to be able to sustain this. Obviously, they have more cash flow than than Major League Pickleball does, but I also think that Major League Pickleball has a better ability to to raise funds. And if you're seeing teams being purchased for 12 million bucks, that's more or less like you have a certain portion of of equity in the league when you purchase a a team and through some i guess backdoor calculations that's more or less valuing the league somewhere at 300 million bucks so if they were to go and i think that they could fundraise and i think both of them will have to fundraise to to make this this happen uh without a doubt right i think that mlp can raise this money just kind of further though how many people are actually invested in mlp and what i mean by that is mlp has i know like probably over 10 billionaires as owners at this point but they have so many different owners at such a small portion of each of these people's portfolio that i think it you could argue it'd be very easy for them to kind of wash their hands and walk away from it where i could actually argue that like a tom dundon with being so invested in pickleball and basically being the majority owner of ppa and those other entities actually have a lot more interest in trying to see it out yeah so i'd say i'd know probably at least I would say the five of those ten on on MLP side billionaires I I know and are equally as as invested. And I won't say equally. Maybe maybe Dundon's more invested. So, but I think that I think there's at least five of that group that aren't going away. Um, and I just I can't speak for the other five. I just don't know them. Um, I. Uh, yeah, I think that the PPA is is partially, you know, Dundon's uh, Dundon's baby, right? Like it's it's a cool new thing and a very good opportunity. But he also has other stuff 
going on, right? Um, and obviously, if you're a billionaire, you definitely got other stuff going on other than than your major league pickleball investment. But I think that the, you know, maybe those people, let's say they pull out whatever from the MLP side. I think it's, I think your next wave of investment isn't going to come from other individual owners. It's going to become, it's going to come from, you know, some institution that wants to buy in a, a decent chunk of, of MLP at, for a hundred million bucks. Like it's going to come, it's going to come from bank money after this or, or institution money, not, not more, um, or maybe like a, you know, private equity group type of, type of thing. I think that's where the next wave of, of money is going to come to support some of this spending. Well, you know, I, I think this also comes to me, like, I, I love the MLP product. I think Jer and I, like, on NML, people, well, we, we love the MLP product. It just has been, I think it's more fun, at least in the, I don't know what it is if you have eight, 16 events, whatever they're going to do. But in this three, you know, one, three, six events kind of a year thing, I think it's been super exciting. And it's, I feel like it's a great product, but I'm a hardcore pickleball fan. Jer's a hardcore pickleball fan. A lot of people following pro pickleball now are hardcore pickleball fans. And I, I, I waver back and forth on this, but like about the, you know, the, you know, where's your return on investment? I, I mean, for a pro tour outside of the amateur stuff, a regular pro tour, like the PPA or APP, and then where an MLP, where's your eventual return on investment? Where are the fans? You need fans to have a product. So I think we're like, I'm skeptical on pro pickleball just generally still, but I think it's an interesting discussion to say, well, what is like team versus this tour model? I, I'm going to guess you're on the team model for that. This is going to work, but I, I think I waver on, on which way it's going to go like, or, or which way is even better. I don't think we'll ever know, but uh, curious for your thoughts on that. Yeah. So a, I think that team sports just win in general. I, I think that the top five sports in terms of viewership are all team sports across the, across the U S certainly, but and I guess I don't, I can't, I can't extrapolate that across, uh, across the world, but in the U S the top five sports are soccer, football, baseball, basketball, and hockey. Right. And after that is, is golf and, and tennis. And I think what the team sports do a really good job of doing is that like community engagement. And the biggest thing that pickleball needs right now is not more people playing. We're already crushing it in people playing. We need to get somebody who plays at the park to go and watch pro pickleball. And I think that the the way to, to do that is through community engagement events. Something like the the Orlando Squeeze hosting hosting tournaments over in Orlando and having one of their players show up. And then these people are probably more likely to to watch and engage with the the pro game. So I think that the team stuff is better for, for, I guess, growing the viewership on a kind of a grassroots level. Because if you think about it, like, if the Orlando Squeeze are playing a regular season of home and away matches, like, there's probably 10 opportunities for the people of Orlando to come watch a, a Squeeze event. Whereas if it's just a tour, you maybe have two opportunities to come and watch a tournament in Orlando per year. So 
I think that the team sport element of things is going to be a better way of getting a casual pickleball player into the pro pickleball uh, landscape, I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think where I actually buy into that is if they can make it into almost a club model where we'll use Orlando Squeeze, your example, where the Orlando Squeeze are basically a club and not only do you have your major league pickleball team, the squeeze, and you might have a minor league team, the squeeze, but you also have basically a club that has leagues that all play in the squeeze. The pros are around, so the people that are playing there in their ladders or waterfalls, whatever you're doing, get to know the players, and they feel like they're a part of that pickleball club. I think you could really grow a fan base that way and then also kind of get people having an actual connection to the players and team. That, in my mind, is how you could probably really grow it. So, like, basically everybody that plays pickleball in Orlando, for example, would associate with the squeeze. Yeah. Go ahead. I, think that's the, I think that's the idea, right? Like, I think that's definitely the idea. Just be able to be around go game a little bit more frequently uh having a team base somewhere i think is is huge yeah and i think what i've come around on more recently which i i hadn't been feeling like this before especially as you know mlp felt more event-based but we get a lot of comments on our blog or on twitter facebook or whatever and a lot of people and rightfully so i think skeptical of the team model and going, well, it's never been done before. We get a lot of it's never been done before. Look at tennis, look at golf. They run a tour, that's that's how it works. I, I When I keep seeing that now, I think what I've come around to is it doesn't actually, like why are we saying just because it hasn't been done before, we can't do something different going forward? Especially when, as you say, Zane, like golf and tennis are, are two sports that aren't quite, they're, they're sort of in the mainstream. And I know as someone who like before I, I followed pro pickleball and now I, I my other sports watching is a lot is diminished quite a bit but I, I never watch an ATP tour event other than the they'd show the the Canadian one that would come to Toronto or Montreal and, and when would I ever watch a, a non-major golf event I only watch majors so h- how do you get people invested outside of the majors for, for the most part I, I think it's just hardcore tennis and golf fans who are following the the tour events it's sometimes hard to think about how it's even that viable when when if you talk to anyone and they ask you how how is the JW Marriott open and you know wherever you know Arizona like how did that go no one no one cares so I I think where I'm at is like if you know that for an individual sport it's so tough to break through why not have a, a different type of model as as your primary model and and that might be your best shot because it's unlikely anything is going to succeed here yeah, I mean, I agree. I do think it's a, I think it's a, an uphill, uphill battle for sure. Um, I think you can try something different. And I think a very good example of an individual sport that's been shifted to a team sport could be Formula One, right? Everybody's in their own car. They're all racing, but you have one teammate right? There's, there's a, a season long chase. 
it's really at the core of it, an individual sport. There's one person per car. In pickleball, there's one doubles team out there at a given time. But like Formula One is, maybe this isn't the best example, but it's massive. And it's two individuals, both running their own race, but they come together as a, as a team. Um, I would say that's probably maybe the best example of an individual sport that uses sort of a, a team format. You know, there's like, there's the Labor Cup in tennis, which people seem to, to really like, where that's North, I think it's like Europe versus the world. There's the um, Ryder Cup in golf, with which people really like. Um, I think people's arguments against those is that they like them because they're a one-off, um, and that if it, they had like the Ryder Cup in golf every weekend or like twenty times a year, they wouldn't enjoy it. But they like it because it's special and different. Right, right, and I think that's that's accurate, and that's the I I understand that argument too. Um, I, I'm just saying, like for those events. They are different. People like them. Um, don't know whether they would get old as a result of of doing it time and time again. But also, if you were to do that over and over, it's not like, again, you have home and away matches. I really do think that having an event in a city multiple times per year is the most important part of the team element. It's not necessarily even which is more compelling to to watch but just the fact of having a team based somewhere i think that's the most important part of of the mlp model and i think mlp from what i understand they're going to run several um regular tournaments as well because i do think it is important to to have you know an understanding of who the best players are in a certain format um part of what makes mlp is interesting is who shows up and who doesn't who plays well at mlp and who plays better who raises their game at mlp and who maybe isn't the best team player and doesn't perform as well at at mlp i find that interesting yeah that's another one that's come up with all this tour war stuff uh when people are commenting on things uh is well how are we ever going to know who's the best and what i what i think about that is that you know (laughs) There's a lot of team sports where, you know, we, we're trying to figure that out as well. I mean, it, you know, pickleball is more of a, an individual based sport, even if it's doubles. And, and you have a certain format that really does show who the best players are. But I, I don't think a team sport, even if it was just primarily team based events, I, I just don't know. Like we haven't had enough events to be able to say whether could I figure out that Ben Jones is the best player in the world if we only played 20 MLP events? Probably could. It, could, could I figure out, you know, who who's you know, right in the middle. I, I think we do this in other... Well, I think it leads to more debate, which isn't necessarily bad for the sport, actually. Like, look at basketball. Like, people love to debate who the best player is. And I think, like, it almost is good if it's a team format and it's a little more up for debate. Like, if maybe Ben Johns doesn't have the best team, so and somebody else might be winning, and then you can have arguments like is Julian Arnold or Ben Johns the better player, even though we kind of know Ben Johns is the better player, but if Julian's, you know, won a couple MLP titles, bad example seeing as he signed with the PPA here, but um, just thinking up to the last super finals, it does open up for debate 
And now I'm getting us a little bit off track, but on that note of talking about best players and kind of approaches to this, does MLP have a problem that they've got the vast majority of the signings? I think we've probably all kind of said MLP's winning, but does MLP have a problem that the definite number one male and definite number one female are both not playing for them. And I'll put it one further. When we're talking about, Chris, you were saying nobody watches anything but the majors and golf and tennis. When that changes is generally when you have a superstar. Tiger Woods got people watching and caring about golf tournaments on Sundays that they otherwise wouldn't have cared about. Does MLP have a problem that they don't have Banner and Lee? And then something the PPA has done is they've gone and signed a number of tennis players. But I think you look at Jack Sock, you know, he's, he's going to draw eyeballs. And then we can all laugh. Like, I thought she was playing today, but I have no idea if Jeannie Bouchard had ever picked up a pickleball paddle before today. But, you know, she's got a bigger following than any pickleball player out there. She's going to bring eyeballs. And when my friends who are just about to start playing pickleball want to go watch, they're going to say, I want to see the best players. They're going to go and watch the PPA. They can watch Ben Johns, Annalie Waters, Jack Thock, and Jeannie Bouchard. And so I guess my question is, one, is that a big problem for MLP? And two, should MLP have maybe been more concerned about signing a couple of those type of players than, say, getting the whole Johnson Five, who I don't think anybody outside of the hardcore pickleball fans actually knows? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I don't know the, I know Anna Lee is, is obviously like pretty, I think it'll be interesting to see who shows up to, to MLP in, in September. Like, you think some people aren't going to show up? I know some people aren't going to show up. Yeah. Oh, really? Interesting. Um, We had not heard that. Yeah. Uh, There are a decent chunk of, of players that are, are not going to show up. Um, and, uh, yeah, there are a decent chunk of players that, that aren't going to, to show up to, to MLP in, in September. Um, whether that's their own decision or whether that's a, a directive, uh, is, I think, you know, something that you can, you can think about, but given the current. Well, I'm going to, why, if I'm a PPA player, why would I not show up to those events unless it's a directive? Why am I burning potential bridges when there's basically two employers and I probably want to keep relations good? That's a good question. So that is a very good question, right? Why wouldn't uh, why wouldn't somebody show up when MLP is a much better payday? on average, there's usually more guaranteed money and certainly more upside. Why wouldn't you show up? Well, that that's also like, I think we're getting off track on Jared's well, question, but Sorry, um, so do you, I'm gonna toss two names and you can either not answer, but Ben John's gonna show up. He played that exhibition there. 
I would guess, I mean, I would, I would be fairly certain. I don't think he would show up to the exhibition if he wasn't planning on showing up for the, for the events. Anna Lee Waters. I don't know. She's been vibing a lot. <laughs> uh, she seems to be heavily incentivized to uh, to promote PPA, um, so it'll be interesting. I don't know. I don't know about her. I, I would guess that Ben plays. I don't know whether Anna Lee plays. I, and those weren't even the people that I was uh, necessarily speaking about. Saying <coughs> I don't know whether they were or were not uh, playing. Um, but. Uh, yeah, it's a good question why somebody wouldn't show up to an MLP when they would get paid more. When, and going back to Jared's question, do you think it matters that that for next year that Ben, Annalee, and even someone like Jack Sock aren't part of MLP? Or, or assuming they're not, I mean, may, maybe they could flip or someone could flip. We haven't even talked about that possibility yet as well. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I think... I think you, whatever tour you want to have the like the vast majority of the best players at your event. So I mean, like, I think it hurts MLP if if Ben or or Anna Lee aren't there, but it hurts PPA just as much that Riley, JW, and Dylan aren't at their events because then Ben and Anna Lee don't have anybody to play against. So they're 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 certainly both I think both hurting in 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 the short term. Yeah, well, I thought the, the the Johnson Five and Riley and Tyson, well, especially the Johnson Five, I think that mattered more from the players' perspective to see what which team am I on? Am I on the winning team, or I am I on the team in the lead, or am I on the team that's behind? I, I think that that's where it mattered more. I, I'm, you know, I I don't know how much it matters in the the short term, but I I wonder also, you know, for from a long term thing, going back to to the trust theme is whether we have, uh, you know, the way both entities uh, choose, like choose to act, how they choose to, to, or whether they choose to dictate what their players should do with playing PPA and playing MLP events on both sides of things. Do you think that's gonna impact uh, trust or, or how people see uh, their, you know, the entity that they chose going forward and whether that could, be a factor in if anyone flips. Um, can you, I guess, can you rephrase the, the question? Yeah, do, so do you, do you think that uh, how the tours um, treat their players over this short period, next few months, matters from a trust perspective for the players? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that it all factors in for sure. Um, at this point, more or less, everybody's locked into a three-year deal. So I, I hope you trust the person that you're you're with at this point, because um, it's going to be a long three years if you don't. Does that mean you don't see anyone flipping on either side? That they're so locked, like there's a locked-in contract for everyone on both sides. You know what? I don't know. I would, I would assume, let's see, when was, so Kansas City was, was, let's see, more than 10 days ago, right? So those, those letters of intent should be expired by now. And if we were going to see flips from P 
PPA to MLP, I would say now is probably the time where that would would, would start, right? Um, but one player of more than no, one premier player, my understanding is has a contract through next year, but no further with the PPA. So it might be notable if he continues to play the MLP events. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I uh, I think I understand what you're what you're talking about there. I mean, if you're if you're gonna say it, you can go go ahead. If you're gonna just hint at it, you can go ahead. Well, Ben, let's be honest. Ben doesn't appear, as far as publicly known, have a deal with the PPA through past 2024, is my understanding. And if we want to talk about what would probably be a near death blow to the PPA at this point, would be if Ben signed with MLP. Yeah, I mean, I think that would be would be huge, obviously, in the short term. And I think I have to give I have to give credit to the PPA again. I think that their strategy of of going after the tennis players is actually very, very good. Meaning like a lot of players that I think have been signed to both MLP and PPA contracts are being paid a lot. Right. These are very, very big numbers. They're not economic numbers. I think the play of going after Jack Sock um, and Jeannie Bouchard in particular is I don't think that I'm not even talking about them as a player, meaning like if Jack Sock shows up and doesn't win, doesn't matter. If he wins everything, doesn't matter. Jeannie Bouchard does great, doesn't matter. Does bad, doesn't matter. The fact that they're playing on their tour, I think, is going to be very attractive to the PPA's next group of talent. Somebody who just graduated from Vanderbilt and is like, I want to play pro pickleball now. And if the PPA is going to, or MLP is going to offer them, you know, a salary to basically go full-time and train, like, I think that that's where our next generation of stars is going to come from. So everybody on these rosters of MLP and PPA are overpaid currently. Who can what who can get new players cheaper in the future? And I think the tennis player strategy is a is a good one. Do you want to go play on the tour where Jeannie and and Jack play? Or do you want to go play play on the tour where these really good pickleball players play and isn't that an advantage also ppa has right now it seems mlp is going to get that but it's hard to figure out how one can kind of improve their stock in the mlp format to a great degree where i can go out on the ppa and i know if i start winning singles titles I probably am going to get a better partner. I can start winning doubles titles and my stock goes up. Whereas MLP, it's like, what if I get in challenger and I'm on a bad team? Like, how do I really, it's the last proven model. I don't know if it's more volatile in major league pickleball. I mean, look at Julian Arnold's stock, right? Julian Arnold's stock skyrocketed. Hated Patrick Quinn's was down low after the, uh, after MLP Mesa. And then it's really high after MLP San Clemente. Like he played poorly in Mesa, played great in San Clemente. Like I think that I think that doing well at MLP probably has more of an impact on your stock than a 
than a, a given PPA, but obviously it's, I, I do think there's some, some, I think that there's, uh, your argument is, is fair. You can have a good tournament at a PPA sort of breakthrough and you're on people's radar as well. I, I think like, I, I think I disagree probably with you, Jared, like in terms of, I think where there's more volatility in MLP in terms of where your stock can go. Whereas on the PPA, as long as you have a decent enough partner, you, your results are going to be in a more narrow uh, scope, I think. Whereas you look at someone like Yana Newell, you know, she's on Frisco Pandas and there's no reason she should be falling to the second round of challenger. <laughs> you're Frisco Pandas. Uh, you know, I, and I mean, Everyone's you're stock tanked from, from Frisco. <laughs> That's yeah, everyone's, funny story. everyone's stock tanked, but people, uh, anyone who played for for these really good teams, uh, you mentioned Hayden. I, I actually thought Gabe Tardio's stock. Well, he played so poorly, but he sh- his stock should have gone higher. But there's there's guys and and players who who rise way way higher than they should because the sample size has been small so far. And you have each event, you have these small sample sizes. It's like, oh my God, this person's so good. So I I don't know if I I agree that. Uh, yeah, that you can't. Well, if I, what I would say, Chris, is if I'm a player, I'm fairly new to the sport, I'm going to feel like I have a lot more control over my future stock with the PPA kind of format than I am with MLP. Yeah. Well, well, here's one of my Especially questions. Especially if I'm coming from tennis and it's a kind of a format I understand versus a format I might not understand as much. Yeah, I think this is my question for both of you. And Jerry, we, we just haven't talked because we haven't seen each other that much. But how how are tours going to keep paying players? Players say, oh, I saw this X player who's not even challenger getting a six-figure deal. I want that. But how, how, are, how are the PPA or MLP going to keep paying new players in this way? I mean, I think there's there has to be a... Look, I thought that... I actually thought that we were overpaid in the 2022 season. I thought we were overpaid in the 2023 season. And in 2024, we are going to be insanely overpaid. At some point, this needs to be an, it needs to be, there needs to be a return on this, this play for the players. The reason why we're overpaid currently in 2024 is because they were at war. They were trying to basically eliminate the other. That was the investment they were making. We're going to pay all these people this amount of money so that we can get rid of our competitor, hopefully, right? At a certain point, we absolutely have to be coming down in the amount that we're, we're getting paid. This is, this does not make sense long-term and, um, yeah, maybe I'll catch some, some shit for saying that, but, uh, I think that it's, I think that these numbers are, are not something that you can build a long-term sustainable business on. Like we definitely need to hit some big milestones in terms of viewership, uh, participation in the like minor league events or PPA events. Like there are a lot of things that need to grow to support the amounts that we're getting paid. So I would think that there's a certainly a substantial pullback after these three years. Like something, something needs to to 
fall over these next couple of years. And something will fall over the next couple of years. You can, I don't know what it's going to be, but I'll guarantee it. So, so then Jared, will it depend on who's willing to pay more? I, I mean, assuming both tours are around at the end of 2024 and you know, where are people, I guess you're saying people are going to be more comfortable going that tour model. I don't know where new players go in that MLP model. That's a question I've had as well. Uh, you know, maybe you create a minor league system, a feeder system, or they go to the APP, which well, I, don't, I don't even think we've mentioned the APP so far. Yeah, I mean, I think that the, you know, the the individual tournaments on the MLP tour will be important. And you've seen some players signed that don't have the best results, but are who, certainly... Who, Zane? I would say my, like, I'm good friends with Roscoe Bellamy, right? His results at this point, I don't think warrant an MLP contract. However, you can take one look at this guy, and and I have. He's like, he's like six six. He is an absolute stud. He has every single part of. He has every single. He has ability to be certainly like one of the top top players in the game. But just not. Okay. Uh, see, that's where I would be if we're signing three-year contracts, and that's where I could argue that maybe MLP got a little lost in the weeds. I would want to be betting on who I think is going to be the best player in two and three years versus past performance. And that's why I think, as you've already said, those tennis contracts are interesting because they draw eyeballs and also there's upside potential where I could argue that on the MLP side in particular, they paid a lot for fairly mediocre past performance. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't think you're, you're wrong. And I think, uh, you know, if somehow MLP and PPA remain in this stalemate after three years, which they won't, there'll be enormous moves one way or another, right? It will all be about who can attract, whose tour is more attractive, where people want to play it, and they don't need to get guaranteed amounts of money to to do so, right? Because they yeah. can't keep funding the guaranteed amounts. What odds would you give that both the PPA and MLP play separate tours throughout 2024? So what odds do I give that both of them exist in their current state by the end of 2024? Yeah. Uh, 15%. 1-5? One 1-5. One that might be high, I think, but still, but probably fair. So, so then what's, what's happening if they're not, if there's such a low chance that they're going to stay as they are right now, what is it? Do you have a prediction for what it's going to be? Um, I do. Do you want to share it? I don't. Gary, <laughs> <laughs> do you have a prediction? I think we'll see. My prediction is it'll be an MLP uh, banner in 2024. I think the PPA, as we know it, won't continue. But what the ownership structure of that MLP looks like will be interesting and leadership structure. 
So I think, yeah. And I, I, I don't have, I don't, I don't know if you have too much more Zane. We'll probably get it wrapped up here pretty soon, but I, I had one question I definitely needed to ask you, which is why are you afraid to play the best players in the world? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I have seen that a lot, right? Um, I play the best players in the world all the time. I enjoy playing the best players in the world. I don't mind losing to the best players in the world. I love the opportunity to try and beat the best players in the world. Uh, that did not factor into my decision whatsoever. And I don't think that factored into very many players' decision either. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it did either. I just saw it around and I thought it was completely ridiculous. So I, I think that's pretty, everyone has so many reasons. I don't think anyone's avoiding anybody else. If anything, they're seeking out the best players to, to play against. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, Jared, do you have anything else to ask Zane here? Oh yeah, I had a question for you guys from when we were when we were chatting before. So in my in my echo chamber, it looks like at least on social media, and the, again this can one hundred percent be my echo chamber. So I want to ask you guys, like, what is the what is the chatter around this? Meaning, like, how are people viewing PPA versus MLP? It seems to me like people kind of unanimously think that. MLP won the the player war like where does an not an average viewer but where does a very engaged pickleball fan what are they thinking about this tour war currently I think that you, there's there's kind of two parts there you said the very engaged pickleball fan I think they by and large, with a few people who just really like the PPA format, have decided that MLP has won this and won it fairly decisively. We can look at number of premier players signed, etc. I think also of, we see it kind of on our blog, of people that follow pickleball closely, a lot of people actually aren't big PPA fans, mainly because of the way they... A lot of fans don't like how the PPA has definitely given preferential treatment to a few players in the past that haven't sat well with fans. Um, so I think a lot of people have MLP winning it decisively. And we've kind of said that MLP has won it. And knowing that you are probably on the MLP um, bandwagon as well i tried to today present some arguments for the ppa and i do think it's interesting in some regards that maybe we've undersold what the ppa has done here they've retained still the two top players and like in we're skewed because we live in canada but i think i got four or five text messages just from people that don't really follow pickleball yesterday about the Jeannie Bouchard signing. You know, I didn't get a single message from anybody <laughs> outside of like, 
you know, Chris and my friend and my pickleball very diehard friends about any of the MLP signings. So I do wonder if in a larger picture, maybe it isn't quite as decisive as what we that live in the pickleball bubble see it as. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to see how it's picked up by some of the national press, right? they don't even dive into where where the players ended up. It's just a war, like, that's what's happening. It's going on. It doesn't well, even seem like there's an indication of, of like, who's leading, who's ahead. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the national media stuff, like, these people, I think, have no idea what's going on. If you're not following things closely, it's hard to know what's, what's going on. We've seen uh, the national media articles – over the past couple of years when they come out sporadically, I think have always fallen short to, to some degree. And I also think a problem with what's the recent national media articles, I think the one there was a CNBC one, there was a Yahoo Sports one. I, I mean, it's only Connor Pardo talking to those people and they're, they're, and you know, Kyle they're, and Kyle Yates and, and Tyler Loon. But they're, they're sharing really the one perspective. And MLPs clearly made a decision that they're not going to in, engage in any of this public and in any of public warfare, at least from a media standpoint, whereas Connor Pardo is going and talking to the media. He's tweeting about the liquidity of the PPA and trying to guarantee that publicly. I think the, the one thing, and maybe they, they're feeling better after some of these signings, but the the sense I've gotten from just seeing some of these things like Connor being as public as he has and saying in that Yahoo Sports article that, you know, he would do the deal if if, if he could go back to do the original deal, you know, if MLP would do it, he, he, he would do that. So that that gives me the sense that the PPA feels like they're behind as well and they feel like they've lost. Although that that was a week ago, probably now. Well. But isn't there also the problem you talked about, Connor? There is an obvious trust problem. It's not just a vain issue. We heard of, uh, basically, I don't can't keep track of the number of players that had two, three X, four X offers from the PPA and were signing with MLP. I think when that's going on, it really signals that there's a large trust issue. And I think a lot of it, you comes down to one individual that people have trusting trust issues with or a couple people um you have a trust issue and until you can get back past that how are you going to retain players yeah i mean it's i think about it because it's it is unfortunate meaning like i don't know what uh you know i don't Maybe there were some short-term victories that were had because of the lies and the crappiness, but things like like paying on time and paying in full, I don't think that money was the issue. Meaning, like, I don't think that they were scraping for my $700 check back in 2021, right? I didn't think that that needed to happen. So, so why did it happen is the thing. Was it, was it disorganization or is it just a, 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 you know, we take care of these players? Like, is it a, a power move? I don't know. And I think it, it didn't have to come to this. It really didn't. Like, I think if they, they operated and kept their 
their promises, even just small promises, something like, like I remember when these graphics came out of what the gold versus the silver cards were, things like offering us uh, Invisalign and, and lifetime memberships didn't come to fruition. Oh, I, you didn't get those? <laughs> yeah, believe it or not. I know I have great teeth. You do. <laughs> Thank you. I, I know you noticed. <laughs> uh, so it didn't, it didn't need to come to that. Like, it really didn't. But it's 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 not forgotten. And I actually was speaking with Jason from, from the kitchen a little bit. He's like, man, I'm trying to figure out what the PPA did that makes people distrust them so much. And we came to the conclusion that, like, there is no smoking gun. But it was death by a thousand paper cuts, right? There's just so many small little lies. It's like the the boy who cried wolf, right? You just don't believe anymore. Well, and isn't a big part of that too? They've often lacked transparency, whether it be payouts with players, rules. Like fans have seen it, but when you talk to individual players, there also has just been a lack of transparency as well. Yeah, and I mean, like at this point, it's there's such a long track record. You you almost just think like anything that's being done has an agenda behind it, and whether it's a draw, like you see, X PPA player has an easy draw. It's like ah, you know, they rigged it for him or whatever, which like you know, I have reason to believe was true several times. Whether it is anymore. I doubt that it is, but like there's, that, like there's that cloud of doubt over every single action that's taken at this point. And I, so, I think that that's, I think there's a reasonable cloud of doubt over, over any action that's taken just based on past experience. Well, I think that's what I was sort of getting to earlier when I was fumbling around a question to you, but I think they have to change the way that they're that they operate if they want to gain the trust of especially the new players that they're signing. They're signing all these tennis players. If you go and sign all these players and you make promises, I don't know what they're saying to them verbally. I don't know how they're negotiating. Actually, I do know how they're negotiating with some people. And, and it's some of the same tactics that we've we've heard in the past. Pressure, you talked about timelines, things like that, misleading about what other players have signed that they're still doing these things. And if they're doing that with new players, I don't know how, you know, you can get that trust. And if you keep doing business this way, and, and I don't know, maybe this is a wake up call to stop doing business this way at a certain point, because you can't, well, maybe sometimes you can just throw money at, at problems as, you know, like live golf, you throw enough money at people, things happen. So, so, it, you know, if, I just don't know if they have the money to do that, but I, I wonder if they have to change the way they operate to to gain trust of new players and to get some of the trust back of maybe people who are on the fence. I don't think they're getting trust back of players like you or uh, I, I, you know, people who are in your camp. But that that's sort of I think really important for them going forward if they really want to be getting new players and be retaining their their current talent that they have. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, something has to has to change in in that regard. Um, and again, I don't, I, I think it's, um, I think it's short-term games. You, you might sign somebody that you wouldn't normally have because you, you know, lied to them or said something verbally that doesn't pan out. 
but that's at the expense of of trust over the the long term. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting interesting to to see how this all uh, plays out. I would say that this is this was probably move one of of ten. Like there's there's this is this this war is maybe ten percent over. And clearly we have just no idea what's going to happen and we have no idea what's going on. I don't think either of us have predicted these things that, that have happened and seeing some money that's gotten thrown around. So I, I'm so curious as to what happens, but I, I don't even, it seems almost pointless to make predictions, although we probably, you probably should make, make some, some predictions because that's what's fun about all this. Yeah. And yeah, if, if you're right, you get to say I was right. And if you're wrong, you just get to pretend like it never happened. So it's like there's not really any any uh, any any loss in just making some prediction. I don't know. Go for it. Jeremy looks like he's ready for it. No, as I said, I think we're gonna see a MLP banner in um, 2024. But I am curious as to what kind of ownership structure, etc., will look like. So yeah, and, yeah, and, and just so Zane, do you, you have anything else you want to, to get off your chest or? Yeah, when the hell are you assholes playing Travis Rettenmeyer two on one? I'm ready for this shit. Let's go. <laughs> That's by he, the way. He's, he's formally said it's not happening and it's his fault. So. Oh my god, I'm gonna have to give Travis some shit. I was so ready for that because I know I know exactly how to beat a a one person team. I yeah, I was ready. I was ready. We'll, I still we'll want to see that happen. We'll have to consult you if there's any future two-on-ones on the horizon. If anyone wants to come at us for a uh, for a two-on-one, then we're 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 still here for it. I'll take you guys <laughs> two-on-one against anybody outside of the top ten in singles currently. Have it's- you watched this play? No, but you're about you're like lowish five o, decent five o. Yeah, what's your duper, Chris? I think it's five four one in in doubles. After my PPA qualifier, it jumped up a bit in singles to I think what is not an accurate representation. Yeah, I think I'm around five three eight, but which are they, I don't know. Those are probably fairly accurate. What is the duper rating? But yeah, I'd say. If I could, if I could train with you guys for for two days, I could teach you to beat any singles player outside the top ten. Any singles player, or any just any player that plays doubles, because it seems like a doubles player might be better at two on one than a singles player potentially. I don't think a doubles player is better at two on one than a singles player. Um, there's a very there's a, a particular skill set that you need to have to to win a two on one match as the single player so like somebody like riley could be could be difficult even though he's not necessarily singles specific but other than that like you need grounds very good ground strokes to beat a two-person team i think and to be fast (laughs) you need to be fast that's for sure you definitely need court coverage yeah yeah well we want to play ben let's put it that way we you guys would get crushed by Ben. I could not I could not show you how to beat Ben. We've watched him do some two, 1v2 and it seems problematic. Yeah. yeah. 
Thank you. <laughs> Zane, I, I don't know if your swear jar counter here for his three or four for your stop Alzheimer's. So I, I don't know if you have anything you want to plug, but thanks for coming on. So if you want anything to plug, now's the time. Oh my God, you guys were auditing my swears for this. I thought I had a, a, a free pass for this one. It's not the God, <laughs> bro. Uh, no, I mean, I just, I just want to say, I guess, thanks to the people that, uh, thanks to those hardcore pickleball fans. Like, you know, those are the people that are, that are bringing more and more people into the, into the ecosystem. I remember when I first started playing, like people were eager to, to show me how to play and bring me to the Cesar Chavez center in Racine, Wisconsin. And I hope as the sport becomes more mainstream, we don't sort of lose that where, you know, try to get your neighbor from your apartment complex to go play sometime. Like, I, I guess, you know, obviously I've got my, my sponsors that are, that are all, all great. Um, they probably don't want to be associated with, with a podcast like, like this or my, my opinions. So I'll leave them out of this because I'm only representing myself, the Frisco Panda and the, the, uh, the Orlando squeeze here. But, um, yeah, I'd say, I'd say thanks to the, to the hardcore pickleballers. You guys are going to be the people that, uh, that really grow this, this sport and, see if we can make pro pickleball uh, viable as, as a business in the long term. And uh, yeah, thank you guys for, uh, for, for all the hard work that you guys do and, and journalisming and, and uh, looking into interesting topics in a thoughtful way. So appreciate that. Not, not journalists quite yet. Yeah. But thanks for coming on today. Yeah. Really yeah, you guys should go get somebody who signed PPA and, and, uh, and have an opposite perspective i really i think that i think that there's two sides to every story i told mine and i think it'd be valuable to uh to to talk with somebody that's had a different experience than, than i have well i i think connor pardo is jonesing to come on our podcast so we'll, we'll see if he wants to wants to join one of these days he likes to yeah, wave at us on facebook messenger every so often <laughs> <laughs> well that would be uh interesting so again thanks everyone for listening you can follow zane on all socials uh you can follow us uh nml pickleball everywhere like subscribe share everything like that uh and we'll we'll see you next time